God is good. In case you didn't know that. I don't know why you came to church this morning or tonight, but uh, God talked to me today. Has he talked to you? I'm glad when he does that. Sitting in Sunday at school this morning, I, I preached for Brother Tad over in Leavenworth, Kansas this morning. Um, God just started talking to me. Isn't that good? Whew. I don't know, maybe some of y'all need to get saved, I don't know. <laughs> Lord is blessing. He didn't know what I was preaching that morning, this morning, but he started out of Joshua chapter 1 and started talking about how God said, as, I'm, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you, talking to Joshua. He had no idea, but I was preaching out of Joshua chapter 4. And what mean these stones? Why we do what we do? Why we celebrate what we celebrate? Why we remember? Why we're Baptist? Why we use the Bible? Why we come to church? All those things. I was sitting there in the chairs this morning just thinking about, I mean, everything in my life's turned upside down, as many of you all, but uh, I think the last time I was here was in May. I don't think I came in November, did I? I can't remember. Usually it's twice a year. I can't remember if I was actually here on, in November, but um, most of y'all know I lost my dad about a year and a half ago. He's a pastor for 28 years up in North Idaho, and both of my girls have grown up now, graduated college, one of them's married. I've got a grandson. Some of you follow, follow us on Facebook and see my grandson. And, uh, but, you know, just everything in life has changed. You know, our brother in Florida talking about how crazy Florida is and Washington State. I'm not going to say anything on, I don't know, this broadcast, so, but I'm telling you what, it, some, some people have lost their mind. God has it, Amen. So I tell you what I did when Washington lost their minds. I said, let's sell our house and get out of Washington, amen? They, uh, the military closed our prison. Uh, I've been there. It, it'll be 19 years with Rock of Ages, the beginning of this next year. But we've been at Fort Lewis at the military prison there for 16 years full time. And uh, after 16 years, they decided to raise it. And, uh, and then they'll rebuild. So I've got about a year and a half before the, the new military police get established. And they said, they call me chaplain. They say, chaplain, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to hit the road. We're selling our house and getting out. You coming back? We want you to come back. So I do have an invitation. Um, very rare exception. I don't know how many of you all follow our ministry. But for the last four years, the commander there, who is a colonel, had given me official appointment orders as the uh, lead civilian chaplain, which is funny, I'm the only civilian chaplain there, but um, it's, 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 it's unprecedented, the things God's done. Thousands thousands of men, I've, I don't have the exact numbers, over the last 16 years in the prison have trusted Christ. I've got two uh, former uh, incarcerated military men, that they and their families are members of our church there. We've seen military policemen come in. God's good, amen? And so, just pray for us, you know, so our house is now in contract, and uh, so we're homeless, we're transients, you let people park on your lawn, uh, that's me in case you didn't know that, but um, thank you so much for your hospitality, I just, I love P Pastor Marshall and Miss Pam, just, I appreciate this man very much, and I love you all, and I love the Wolfram family, uh, I've known them for many, many years, I, I, uh, I just appreciate, when I lost my dad, brother Mike Wolfram, uh, wrote me just a heartfelt letter, and I just appreciate their, their entire family. They helped me in the prison. I just love them. I remember when 
Brother Jim was saying, man, I don't know what to do. God's calling me in the field. And I said, go, brother. Send out some letters. Go. And, and to see him serving God, just a blessing. I love what God's doing. So anyway, well, I'm done rambling. Just pray for us. I really, uh, everything in our life, you know, is upside down. Um, my dad's gone. My girls are gone. My house is gone. My prison's gone. But my wife's not gone, amen? She says, what about me? I'm still here. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, anybody who can stick around this face is Amazing. Yeah, I heard somebody say amen. (laughs) Anyway, pastor asked me to preach uh, tonight, and I I really asked God. In fact, I told you that God spoke to me today, and I hope he speaks to you every day, but I did something stupid and left my phone at Leavenworth, so I had to go turn around, drop my wife off, go all the way, well, halfway back, and uh, met a chaplain friend of mine, brought it up to me. He came to church this morning down there, amen? And uh, so, uh, but just on the way back, the Lord just kind of confirmed in my heart what to preach, and and boy, I love it when the Lord just talks to you. I, I can't promise to, uh, to be anything phenomenal, but God's Word is always phenomenal. And so I just pray that you will open your hearts, let God speak to you. And if you can't have revival after hearing those songs that the Wolfram girl sang, I'm telling you, the guys, it's okay, but the girls, I mean, that was a blessing. So, um, man, that was just, I thought we were going to have an invitation right there. That was just phenomenal. I, I praise the Lord for that. I love coming here. I love this church. I love you all, and I just appreciate it every one of you. Well, with the Lord's help tonight, I'm going to preach out of Genesis. I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, turn to Genesis chapter 8. Nothing new, it's an old song, but it's, or an old, uh, an old story, but probably all of you have read it before. Um, I hope you've read it before, but uh, you know, God's Word is always new, amen? Maybe you've heard a hundred messages about old Noah, I don't know. But uh, I'm not promising to give you anything new, but I believe God will make it new for you if you just listen, amen? And I know that you've got a revival coming up. I think we just had a little bit of revival just a minute ago. Um, God starts talking and people start moving. That's that's more people I've seen go to the altar in a long time, I just tell you. So ask God to speak to your heart. Would you do that tonight? Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 8, pardon me, verse number 1. Chapter 8, verse number 1. And the Bible says this, And God remembered Noah. Man, I just want to stop right there. Did you know sometimes we get lost? I can't even get through the first verse. Aren't you glad God remembers you? Sometimes you're in church and you know, you're frustrated and you're discouraged and COVID and we can't go to church. I mean, weeks. Uh, finally, my pastor called and said, you're essential. You and your wife need to come. I want you on the platform. I want your wife at the piano. You're essential. I said, praise God. Oh, man. God remembered me, amen, (laughs) praise the Lord. And maybe you felt that way through this whole thing. Did you know God's still there? He knows exactly where you are. He knew where Noah was. And I'm telling you, if you think today's bad, imagine how it was in Noah's day. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged and the fountains also of the deep. The windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. Waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. The ark rested in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. The waters decreased continually until the 10th month, and in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. It came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth, and he sent also... he. He sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But 
The dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned to him in the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. And he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into him unto the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. He stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. Let's stop right there for now and open in prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. I thank you for Riverside Baptist Church. I thank you for my friend, Lord, my brother, Brother Bill. I just thank you for him. Lord, I thank you for his church. Lord, I thank you for many of the dear people here, people here that, Lord, that uh, remember us in prayer. And uh, Lord, I love these folks. I just thank you for them. Uh, Lord, thank you for the Wolfram family and their ministry and our brother down in Florida and Lord, him being back here. And Lord, just allowing us to gather. Lord, what a blessing. God, we thank you for this place that we can gather together, Lord, to worship you. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll let you be seated. You know, before the storm, I, I can't imagine how bad things were. You know, during the storm, I, I really can't imagine that. I mean, maybe you feel like you've been before the storm and that you've been in the storm here in the last few months. I certainly have. You know, we all know that, and this is no, no new saying, but you know that one thing about storms is they all end. Amen. I can't wait for that day. I mean, we know it's still going and maybe we feel like we're stuck in the ark on top of Mount Ararat sending out birds. I don't know. It is for the birds. I'm telling you what, I'm just glad to be in church. There was a long time we couldn't be at church. And I don't know how you're feeling tonight, but... I go back to verse number one, and God remembered Noah. And I'm just glad that God looks down from the height of his sanctuary, and he, I don't know if he shakes his head and says, man, that brother Lance is pathetic. Maybe he does call me an idiot. I don't know. I deserve it half the time, probably most of the time. But, but God's grace, he remembers us. And no matter how bad you felt, and no matter how isolated you felt, God is remembering you. And God knows exactly where you are, and he knows exactly what you're going through, and the good thing is, is no matter what you've been through, God will bring you through it. If we just listen to God and we obey God and we do what God tells us to do and we keep our priorities where they're supposed to be, keep our eyes on Him instead of on the storm and keep our eyes in on Him instead of all the, literally all the manure that was around and all the animals and the stench and of course all the analogies are in place on purpose because that's exactly what it smells like today in the world. You turn on the news and I mean, I'm from Washington State, and if you hadn't heard about CHOP or CHAZ or whatever the heck they call that thing where they occupied the city hall and all, it's a mess. The world stinks. I mean, there is seriously a mess going on. But you know, God has not forgotten about us. I'm just grateful that He allows us to be in church, and there are still churches that can meet, and maybe we, you know, maybe we're not supposed to greet each other with a holy kiss and all that kind of stuff to keep from spreading stuff, but I'm just telling you what. I had to hug Brother Mike, had to hug Brother Jim, I just had to hug Pastor. I mean, I just thank God for our brothers and our sisters and understanding that God gives us people that, that love us. And we all know that God hasn't forgotten us. The storm will come to an end. I started thinking about different things. And even in the middle of the storm, maybe you felt like God wasn't there. And I looked over different passages as I was studying for the message tonight. And you're looking like uh, Genesis chapter number 6 and verse number 18. It says, but with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Maybe that's not a big deal to you, and you say, why would you point that verse? And I had a, 
young military man come up to me some time ago. I had preached out of Genesis out of this. I can't even remember what I was preaching on. This is probably several years ago. But I had this young military man come up to me. He said, they call me chaplain. He said, Chaplain Lance, he says, he says, your Bible said come into the ark. And I said, yeah. He said, my Bible doesn't say that. I said, well, what does your Bible say? He said, well, my Bible says God told him to go into the ark. And I said, well, that's why I use the Bible that I use. I said, what Bible are you using? I can't remember what version he was using. But I'm telling you what, I had a new King James Bible user right after that night, amen? This is what he said to me, I'll never forget it. He says, Chaplain Lance, I don't want to be serving a God that tells me to go. I want to be serving a God that says, come here, because he's already there. I'm telling you what, there's a big difference when God says, get. now there's times God says to get over there, I understand that. But we all know that even when God says, get over there, he's already there. But God said to Noah, come into the ark. I'm already there. In other words, I was there before the storm started, before the rain started falling. Back in December when I found out my prison was closing and they had the largest military inmate movement since like before Vietnam. I knew before the water started hitting the ground, God said, I have not forgotten about you. You come in and you stay with me and whatever storm comes, I had no idea COVID was coming. I had no idea all the logistics. I didn't know we were going to sell our house at that point. We had no idea. But God was already, listen, God's already where you haven't been. I'm not, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you, but I'm telling you, when you're driving around, I had no church meetings at all when we moved into that fifth wheel. And we have not, we've been in a church meeting every single night that we have been on the road. I just thank God for the, the provisions that He has. He says, come, I'm already here. And wherever you're going, if you're a believer and you're a born-again child of God, God's already there. If we get discouraged and frustrated, it's because we're not watching Him. Come into the ark. Verse number 7, He says it again, And the Lord said to Noah, Come, thou and all thy house in the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. God knew what was going on. And he said, I have seen, you say, well, Lance, I don't know if we're righteous or not. Wait a minute, maybe you forgot 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I tell my guys all the time, well, how righteous is God? He's a very definition of righteousness. And God said, when we are in Christ, we are his righteousness. God looks at this generation and he says, come. Why? Thou and all the house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Maybe the reason that we haven't seen God and we haven't seen God move, maybe the reason we need revival is because we haven't come. Maybe you got out of the ark. Now you can come to church, but I see a lot of empty chairs. The preacher was talking about down in Florida, running 170. And all of a sudden, now they're down to seven. God says, come, and we're the people. They're not coming. And then we wonder why we don't have revival. Well, how come God doesn't move like He used to? Oh, God's still moving just like He used to. The problem is we haven't come. I'm telling you what, God is still God, and God has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us. He has not failed us. God has not forgotten. I just thank the Lord. By the way, Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means the same God then is the same God now, and Maybe you've lost hope and you're discouraged and you're frustrated. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost your home. Hey, hello. I'm homeless. I don't know what you're, I don't mean to make light. I know there's some people really struggling, but you know, God is still God and God is not forgotten. 
If you want to go into this revival this next week and you want to get your hearts where God, why don't you come? I mean, there were some who, while those young ladies were singing, man, we could take anything to God. We could take everything to God. And even when I can't do anything, I can pray. And there were people that came and already come. Why? You know what? I would bet, I would bet that those, and I'm not trying to say people are super spiritual because usually the ones that try to be spiritual are the ones that aren't. But the reality is this. The ones that come to the Lord are the ones that get help. Well, I don't want to go up to the altar because people think I'm out of the will of God. Well, the fact that you said that tells me you are. Why don't you just go and get next to the Lord and say, has there ever been a time in your life, in your walk with God, that you've been closer to God than you are now? Why? I'm telling you what, when there's a storm coming and Noah saw a storm coming, he says, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what mountaintop will, or valley I'll land on. But God said, come, I'm a-coming. God remembered Noah. I'm going to give you three things tonight with the Lord's help about the other side of a storm. The other side of the storm. Now, I don't know what the other side of the storm we're in is going to look like. I have no idea. Now, you know, numbers are going up and down and governors are doing all kind of craziness and well they're going into this, this phase and that phase and maybe you don't even see the end of the storm right now but I'm going to tell you the storm will come to an end and even if it doesn't you need to have these things in your life the only way you're going to have revival and get a new start if you will and that's really all revival is you already been, you already been vibed Lord willing you're saved revival is being revived getting new life and some of y'all need some you ought to stand up where I'm standing some of y'all need to be revived. I don't even know if some of you got any vibed. Let God give you some revival. Get it. When's the last time you got excited? When's the last time you got worked up? When's the last time you came to the altar? When's the last time you raised your hand and said, God, thank you for saving me? When's the last time that God stirred you to tears as Pastor Marshall stood there and talked about me 20 years ago? God, help me. I don't know, maybe you've just forgotten what, what manner of man you were. Maybe you need to go back and say, God, I just need to come to you. Lord, I don't want to ever leave you. I want to stay with you. I don't know when's the last time you got excited. Maybe it's the last time you, when's the last time you prayed for someone lost or someone that you were hurting, going through difficult times, and you just don't just ask God for stuff, but you just say, God, I just need to be close to you because no matter what I'm going through, I'm close to you. I know it'll be all right. I just sat in your pastor's office a minute ago. He says, well, what are you, where are you going? I said, I really don't know. I, pray for me, brother. I'm going to Florida. My, my grandson's there. I'm gonna, we're going to get a ministry video, an, uh, an update of the last 16 years at the prison and things. But I don't know what God's going to do with us. I have no idea. Just pray for us. I'm praying for you all. We don't know what's tomorrow. That's my point. But God says come. And if we stay with Him, I told preacher, I said, I'm not worried about a thing. I have worries and concerns. I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I'm a human. But I know this, that God's got, God's got it. Do you trust Him? Here's the three things I'm going to give to you. Number one, I'm going to give you this. Did you know we have a peace in knowing? Number two, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you a place for kneeling. The last thing we'll look at tonight is this, a promise that He's always keeping. So first of all this, a peace in knowing. We can look back to our main text. Look in chapter 8, verse number 8. Back of the text we were looking at. 
chapter 8, verse 8. And he also sent forth a dove for him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground, but the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him in the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. And he put forth his hand and took her, and he pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah, what? Say this word with me. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. You know, there is always a peace in knowing. Did you know the word know appears approximately 793 times in Scripture? To know. I love 1 John 5.13. I said, do you know that you have eternal life? Well, you know, that's kind of arrogant to say, sir, don't you think? To say you know that you have eternal life? I said, it would absolutely be arrogant if I said I knew that based on my works. But it is not arrogant to say I absolutely know that I know that I know that He is my Savior because it's based on Him. That's not arrogance. That is faith. That is trusting God. I'm going to tell you something. There is a peace in knowing. I can tell you hundreds of stories. I don't have time tonight to tell you stories, but I don't know how old these young men are sitting here, but I've had young men in my prison as young as 17 years old. It's a military prison. Some of those boys are young. And they come in there. You know why they're so tore up? Because they don't know anything. How long are you going to be here? Well, I don't know. What are your charges? Well, I'm, I don't know. Why did you do what you did? I don't know. They know nothing. I said, well, let me tell you something you can know. And I get to share the Word of God with them. By the way, <laughs> I spent so many hours in that prison sharing people in, that, in our reception unit. The, the main facility was built about 1950. I told them when they shut down the prison, the warden, that's what you'd call it, that's not his title, but he came and he asked me, he, says, he said, Chaplain Lance, what do you want from the prison? I said, I want a prison door. He said, what? I said, I want a prison door. I want one of those old barred doors that slide on the track, I want the door. He says, why? It stirs my soul to think of how many thousands of hours I've sat on a little plastic stool outside of that cell of that young military man and told him about a God he could know. I said, I just want... He goes, what are you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to bolt it to my wall. And I'll have my daughter, who's an artist, paint a picture of a faceless military man behind it. I said, because that's what I saw thousands of times. He says, man, that's amazing. You know what? There's a peace in knowing. You say, well, that's, I don't know anything. Oh, yes, you do. If you're born again tonight, you know Christ. That's all you need to know. We all quote uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. And what? Lean not unto Thine own understanding. But yet the number one question I get is, Preacher, I don't understand. Wait a minute. Lean not to thine own understanding. You don't need to understand. By the way, you don't need to understand to have peace either. All you need to do is say, God, that's what faith is. Either you're trusting God or you're not. Why do you get worried? Why do you get stressed? Let me change it. I don't want to make you all feel bad. Why do I get stressed? Why do I get frustrated? Why do I get discouraged? Why do I want to quit sometimes? Because I'm not trusting God. There's a peace in knowing. Saying, God, I don't know, but I know you. 
And all I need to know is that I am in the ark with you through whatever this storm is and whatever COVID throws at me and whatever the crazy governors throw at me and whatever this world throws, I am in the ark with you. There is a peace in knowing, my friend. I don't know how much peace you have. I've talked to a lot of people that come to me and say, Brother Lance, I don't have any peace. Man, I'm just struggling. The answer is you don't have faith. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to kick you while you're down. But the reality is we're not trusting God. My friend, if we want revival, we better start trusting God regardless of what we're looking at. On the other side of the storm, and even when you see the sky starting to clear, I thought it was here not too long ago, and then they started saying the numbers are spiking again. I'm like, Lord, I don't understand. He says, you don't need to. Just trust me and do what I told you anyway. So my wife and I sold our house and crawled into a trailer, and here we are. I don't know what's going to happen. But I don't need to know what's going to happen. All I need to know is Him. I don't know if you trust Him like I do. I'm not trying to say I'm super spiritual. I admitted a minute ago I have frustrations and aggravations and discouragement like anyone else. I started thinking about this dove and the, the, the symbol of the Holy Spirit that He is. And the deliverance that God promised Noah and says, You come and I will remember you. And... I see righteousness in you. Listen, that, that blows my mind. When, when God can look at me and say, Son, I love you, and you are my son, and I've called you to do my work, and then I hear Pastor Marshall stand and remind me what a no good, dirty, rotten, low-down guy that I still am. You know what the problem is? We think we're something. You know why a lot of us won't have revivals? Because you think you are something. Yeah, if I make you mad, well, I'm going to get my trailer here on Tuesday morning. I'm going to be out of here, so I don't really care if you get upset at me. The reality is this. A lot of church members think, well, I've been an independent, fundamental, King James, Bible-believing Christian for... I don't care. It doesn't impress God. What impresses God is when things are bad. When things are good, it's all wonderful, but all of a sudden things are bad. And who's trusting God then? We can't impress God. The only thing that impresses God is the righteousness He told Noah He saw in Him, and that was His faith. He was trusting Him. Matthew 3.16, we see the picture of the Holy Spirit of God descending like a dove. And we have all these things. I don't have time to show you all these Scriptures tonight, but Luke 3, uh, verse 22, the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon Him. We see the Holy Spirit multiple times through Scripture. John chapter 16, verse number 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on Me. Of righteousness, because I go to My Father and you see Me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. John chapter 16, verse 12, I have yet so many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now, how be it, when He... The Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you all things that the Father hath are Mine. Therefore said I, that He shall take of Mine and show it unto you. Again, I don't have time to, I have a bunch of other verses written down. I don't have time tonight to go through all these verses. But if you look at all the times that the picture of the Holy Spirit 
and the imagery that we have of a dove. God gives us a peace. Ironically, you think that's a coincidence? Dove is a symbol of peace. You know why? Because if you would get immersed in the Holy Spirit of God, quit worrying about all that storm out there and the fact that your ark is getting tossed to and fro in spite of the smell that's wafting up through the rafters of our television sets and our news reels, you know what? We'd have to understand God is still there. If we don't have revival in the middle of the storm, it ain't God's fault. There's a peace in knowing. How well do you know Him? Reminds me of an old story. I've probably told it here before, but I, I don't have a lot of stories, so I'm just going to tell you the same story. These two old folks, drive, by the way, that's us now. <laughs> I'm a grandpa now, I can say that. A couple old folks driving down the road in their truck. The wife says over to the husband, Honey, you remember when we were dating and I used to sit right next to you? We used to sit real close going down the road. Yep. Honey, do you remember when when we were all in love and we were close and we'd hold hands, now we just kind of go down the road. Yep. Honey, why do you think it's like that? I ain't moved. Some of y'all might be a little slow. God's driving, I hope. Come on now, I hope God's driving. I don't know if He's driving your rig or not, but I hope He's driving. Are we not the bride? And we're over on the other side of the truck saying, God, how come it's not like it used to? God, I remember when I got saved, and man, I could not wait for soul winning. Could not wait to go tell someone about the Lord. God, do you remember that? Yep. Lord, do you remember when I used to hold hands and embrace and we were close together? Man, things were hot and things were good. Yep. You know what God says? I ain't moved. There's a peace in knowing God. There's a peace in being close to Him and trusting who He is. By the way, if He's driving, you may not always know where He's going, but you're in the truck with Him. If you're not in the truck with Him, I'm telling you, raise your hand right now. I'll send someone to lead to the Lord. I tell you, you need to get in the truck. Amen. The Lord, I guarantee you, He'll save you. Some of the guys I've talked to, I had a guy tell me not too long ago, he said, Chapel Lance, he says, that guy deserves to burn in hell. And I said, he sure does, but so do you. He looked at me and says, don't, don't group me in with that. I don't deserve that. And I said, wait a minute. I said, you said you're a Christian. He says, yeah. I said, I said, hold on, don't get mad at me. I said, I don't deserve it either. I said, it's called by grace are you saved. That means it's unmerited. You don't deserve it. The reality is this. Some of us think we deserve it more than the guy next to us. And the reason a lot of us don't have revival is because we think we're better off than the guy next to us. Well, I'm closer to God than Him. Hey, I sure hope brother so-and-so gets revival next week, Pastor. Come on now. Hey, maybe you haven't said that, but I guarantee those thoughts have been in your head before. You know why? Because they've been in mine before. About that time, the Holy Spirit of God says, what is wrong with you, idiot? I don't know if he says that or not. He's usually a little pretty compassionate. but And I have to get on my knees and say, God, I am nothing. I'm reminded of how, much, how nothing I am on a regular basis. I remember driving home from the prison one night at Fort Lewis. and It's out at Back Road. I don't know how many of y'all have been out there, but it's beautiful. Washington State is pretty. Liberal, but pretty. Driving out the back gate, and I had to pull over. I'm like, God, I cannot help this guy. There is nothing I can do to help this young man and all the things that he's going through. 
God, I am inept. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God climbed in the car with me, Brother Bill. And he said, I know. That's why I called you. Because if you thought you could, I'd let you try. You want to try to fix someone else's problem? My friends, you can't do that. But what you can do is say, God, I can do nothing. Didn't Jesus say that? You can do nothing of yourselves. But I really believe, especially the good, I know this is the Sunday night crowd, but I believe it's the Sunday night crowd that's the furthest away from God because we think we've got it down. And when we realize, Lord, I have nothing without you, and maybe I'm at church tonight, and maybe I've got a suit coat on and a tie, and I've got my Bible in hand, and I even said amen while Brother Jim was singing. But you know down deep in your heart, you are not as close to God as you used to be, and you don't have any peace, and you've got turmoil, and you've got strife, and you've got difficulties, and you've got discouragement. And when's the last time that you came and said, God, woe is me. I am nothing. I am undone. This church wants revival. If I want revival, my friends, we've got to understand there's a peace in knowing and it's Him alone. It's all about Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4, 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Christ. It's all about Him. It's all for Christ's sake. A peace in knowing. Second thing I want to give you tonight is this. A place for kneeling. I want you to go down to verse number 20. I know I'm... Skipping a little bit of the story, we know. Hopefully, you know the story, and we know that the water is assuaged, and the, uh, and the and the and the ark came to sit on the mountain top. And here they are in verse number twenty, and they come out of the ark. Uh, verse number well, let's start in nineteen. Every beast and every creeping thing and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark, and Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. I don't think it's a coincidence that the very first thing Noah did, all he had was the peace in knowing that God was there. That's all he had before. No matter, He looked around. Come on, now, I want you to think about what Noah was looking at. He had peace while he was looking at the catastrophic damage and the catastrophic uh, uh, consequences of sin that surrounded him. That's all he was looking at all day long. By the way, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's why... That's why I believe that some people in prison get revival faster than we do. Because when they look around, all they see is bars and razor wire and lockdown and misery. And they are reminded every day of their humanity and their condition as a sinner. Where we have at least some freedom to gather and to come and we can start feeling spiritual. We start feeling like we're doing good. Come on now. And we think that we're doing something for the Lord. And maybe you are. I'm not trying to take away from your service. We ought to serve. Sometimes we start thinking that we're spiritual. We start thinking that, we're, well, I'm, I'm praise the Lord we got revival because they need it. No, praise the Lord for revival because we need it. Maybe we just need to get humble. Isn't that what Jesus said when he looked at the centurion? No greater faith. Why? Because he was a humble man. He says, I don't deserve you to even come in. Humility is something I believe that's missing in a lot of pulpits in today's churches. A place for kneeling is the very first thing that Noah did when he got out of that ark in verse number 20. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. 
And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither, I, neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. This is one of the only times I did some, search, some studying on this. My pastor has been preaching on the heart of God. and This is one of the very, very few times, if not the only time, where it compares directly God's heart to man's heart. When you look at this text, it says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said, where? In his heart. I will not again the curse of the ground anymore for man's sake. Hey, in spite of the ugly, in spite of the sin, in spite of the smell, in spite of the catastrophic damage of sin, you know what God, what exudes from the heart of God? Mercy and grace. No matter how bad this thing is, God, that's God. But then we look and it says just a little bit further down. For the imagination of man's heart is what? Evil from his youth. I'm going to tell you, my friend, that's why the Bible says you don't trust your heart. I've had so many guys tell me, well, Chaplain Lance, I'm just going to do what, 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 what my heart tells me to do. I said, don't do that. Jeremiah tells me how desperately wicked your heart is, my friend. You better be careful. He said, well, I'm born again. God gave me a new heart. I understand, but your flesh is still wicked. And if you do what you feel like doing, it ain't good. All the guys quote me in the prison. I ask them all the time, what do men do? They all respond almost in unison, exactly what they want to do. You know what church members do? Exactly what they want to do. The only time you won't do what you want to do is when you're yielded to Christ and you say, I want to do what God wants me to do. Now hopefully, one day you'll mature enough. We, I said we, I'm not picking on you. We will mature enough to say, God, I want to do... I want to do what you want me to do. Hopefully that we will become Christ-like and our will will be like His. But the reality is oftentimes God tells us to do something that we don't want to do. It. Nod your heads up and down. You know I'm telling you the truth tonight. When God called me to preach and called me into the mission field, you, Pastor Marshall told you my response. He said, well, I would never say that to God. Well, I'm, maybe I'll be as spiritual as you one day. Yeah, I said that on purpose. Because I think some people feel that way. And they're, well, I would never do. But you know what? The attitudes of our heart. Come on now. God said right here. It's evil from its youth. We are the most selfish creatures. We want what's best for us. I'm, I understand. I got, self, I got self-preservation. And I want what's best for me too. And I like to be comfortable. I like to have nice things. So I didn't want to sell my house and move into a trailer. But here I am. Sure, I have those things. But listen, if we, the only way that we're going to break down those barriers and have revival and let God do something in our hearts is if we do the same thing Noah does, and the very second there's a break in the storm. By the way, here in Missouri, that's where they say, okay, you can gather again. And my friends, where is everyone? Your pastor didn't tattle, on, tattle to me about how faithful or unfaithful people are being, but I know this, I've been to this church when it's packed. It ain't packed tonight. Well, Brother Lance, shame on them. No, shame on us. 
If we want revival, we want to get our hearts where God can do it. We need to have a place for kneeling. We can still meet with God. By the way, it's a table on a mountain in an elevated place. And if you, I'm telling you what, I just had some sweet prayer in my truck driving back today. Even after I smacked myself for being stupid and leaving my phone, I had to drive, burn a bunch of gas. That truck drinks lots. I told Pastor, my truck's thirsty. Pulling a trailer with a gas engine, that just doesn't do well. But anyway, even after complaining, God started talking to me. I just started realizing, you know what, God, I need you tonight, and if these people are going to get anything, do you understand that Pastor Marshall asked me to preach? Lord, I mean, this is, this is desperation here. God, these people need to hear something from you. I don't want to stand up there and say anything. I don't want to waste their time. Lord, I need to give them something that will help them. I, God, I need something that will help me. The Lord had already put this on my heart and He just reminded me about how wicked I am. And then, of course, Pastor Marshall got up and did the same thing. But we can still meet God. I told the guys, Jeremiah 33, I've said that here before too, J-E-R-3-3-3, you can write it in your Bible, that's God's phone number. You ever dial it? Call unto me and I will answer thee. J-E-R-3-3-3. Call unto me and I will. He didn't say I might answer. Well, Brother Lance, God didn't answer my prayer. I've been asking God for a long time to do this and to do that, and I just, He ain't doing it. Well, that's because He answered your prayer. No, He didn't. Yes, He did. He said no. Come on now. You know how many times people have come to me and Chapel Lance, well, God just, you say, God says, call on me and I'll answer thee. God says, ask and you shall receive. Man, I've been asking God, and He hadn't done exa- He didn't do what I wanted Him to do. Well, we say God hasn't answered our prayer if we don't get what we want. But my friends, God still answered your prayer and He told you no. Or maybe He told you wait. Or maybe He said, I will, but in my time, not yours, buddy, because I'm driving, not you. Now, God, I think, is a, He says it much more with much more finesse than I do. But I'm just a preaching preacher, and I like to just lay it out there, amen? Put the cookies on the bottom shelf, whatever you want to call it. Listen, the guys in the prison, they don't want someone to come pat their... I had a volunteer come one time, and he said... He says, well, if not for the grace of God, I'd be like you. Well, I understand what he's saying. But here's the guy sitting in the chair. And he's saying, if not for the grace of God, I'd be like you. And here's the guy sitting there saying, I guess God's grace doesn't reach me. I'm telling you. We need to to make a level. The ground at the cross is level. And we get these things in our head that we start thinking that we're spiritual and that we're, that we're godly. And I hope you are. I really hope you strive to be. I certainly do. But I'm just an old, just like Isaiah, chapter 6. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. God, I'm nothing. I know I'm nothing. There's no, there's no way I can help any of these military boys that are in trouble. God said, I know. Well, God, what are you going to do? Who are you going to send? Lord, hear my send me. I've said it at this church before. I, I remember talking to, I've talked to your pastor many, many, many times over the years, and I said, why would God pick me? I'm just an old wrench. An old wretch. You need a nail to drive, a hammer to drive a nail. Why would God pick up a wrench? Well, I understand my dad. Now, he's gone to be with the Lord now, and I don't know if the Lord will let him hear this or not, but did you know I've actually used my dad's wrench to, to drive a nail before? Now, he would have whooped my tail. Because he taught me you use the right tool for the right... Come on now, not, you know what I'm talking about. 
Why would God pick up an old wrench to drive a nail? Listen to me, because it's available. You say, why would God use me? Because maybe the, maybe the person that maybe could do it better than you, it's still in the toolbox. Maybe it's like Brother Lance was and said, because I don't want to. And God says, okay, well then I'll, Brother Jim, will you do it? But Lord, I'm not good enough. That's all right. I can pound a nail with a wrench. You know what? You'll never know these things if you don't build an altar. There's a place for kneeling. In the midst of the storm, by the way, people say, well, do you think Noah had an altar in the ark? I have no doubt in my mind. By the way, if you don't have an altar in the middle of this storm, I'm sorry. But I can't tell you how many times I've said, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're going to do with the prison. God, you called me to the prison work. Lord, I don't know what's going on with our nation. God, I don't have any church meetings. They're canceling my revivals. Lord, I, but you called me. God, I need you. The only peace I have is in knowing, and the only place I have is in kneeling. And that's because God talks to me there. I just pray that that's what you've got tonight. And if that's, listen, if you already have that, and I know some people already do, God's already talking to you. You might have revival. The other side of the storm, we see this sacrificial praise, and we see these things, and we, we see our, get real with ourselves as we look in the mirror of God's Word and we realize what we are and what we aren't. I wrote these things down. I'll just read them to you. In other words, I'll forget them and all that stuff. But have you ever praised or thanked God for His direction? Have you ever thanked or praised God for His provisions? Have you ever praised or thanked God for His salvation? I guarantee you that Noah went through all, all three of those things while he was in the ark. If not, well, you know what? There's an altar. Have you ever been closer to God than you are now? I have already asked you that. If you've already been closer to God than you are tonight, then, then what in the world? We don't have, you don't have to wait till I give, give the invitation or turn it over to pastor. I mean, you can get right with God right now. Why do we wait? I tell you why we wait, because it's pride. We care what people think. We want people to think we're doing okay. Have you just come through a storm? Are you in a storm? Well, thank the Lord for a place for kneeling. Lastly, tonight we have this. We have a promise that He's keeping. I hope that you have the peace in knowing Him, and I hope, I hope that you have a place for kneeling and that you're talking to God through all this stuff. And especially as you're looking forward to this revival, i tell you what will give you revival. is when you stop worrying about what you don't have. Come on now. And you start thinking about what He's already given you. When you stop looking at the problems and the storms in front of you, and you start realizing the blessings that He's given to you. When I quit complaining about my girls being grown up and gone, and I start thanking God for a wife of 28 years that put up with me. What, come on. The Lord has given us blessings, but we choose to focus on those things that are... That we look at God's promises if we want revival. We have a promise that God knows, that, we're, that we know that He's keeping. God's not like us. He doesn't make empty promises. Amen? Promises is keeping. Look in chapter 9, verse number 12. I know I'm skipping some, some verses and stuff. I'm not saying it's unimportant, but I'm trying to get done tonight. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 9, verse 12. 
And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. The bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all the flesh that is upon the earth. And the sons of Noah that went forth from the ark with Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. You say, Brother Lance, what promises do you see? Well, God made, obviously the promise that he made is I'm not going to flood the earth anymore. I started thinking about this promise of, of all the things that God's given to us. And I started thinking about storms. And I started thinking about this COVID thing and the lockdown and all the things. Looking for a break of sunshine. Now, if you're from Washington State, you look for a break of sunshine all the time. Because it's raining all the time there. So you watch for the sun. But get... get Come on now, give me a little liberty here. Do you know what happens when a storm breaks? Yeah, to get a glimpse of the sun. I wonder how long it's been. After all that internet church. I heard some good messages, I understand. I know what our brother's talking about. But it does not take the place of the ecclesia. The gathering of the baptized believers. It doesn't replace the local church. And praise the Lord when you're shut in or when you can't go to church and all those things. But it does not suffice. Man, we need to gather together and realize that God has given us a promise and get a glimpse of the sun. Man, you look for the Lord to show Himself. You need a glimpse of light. The sun becomes apparent on the other side of the storm. There's so much in Scripture tonight about Christ's manifesting self. and We understand that John 1, 4, we know it says, in Him was life, and the light was the light of men. The life was the light of men. You say, yeah, but, but Jesus left. Yeah, but when the light shines, and listen to it, when the light shines and it's refracted through the water, you start to see the depth and the colors of His Word. I don't know if you're getting this or not. but Maybe the reason you're not seeing the sun is because you're not looking through the water. You're too busy watching the news. I, I got to the point where my wife wouldn't let me watch the news. She says, she says Lance, your, your blood pressure is going to go through the roof. You can't watch the news anymore. Instead of watching the news, why don't we look, why don't we look through the water of the Word and watch... Watch the, the perfect pure light. By the way, pure light, did you know it's invisible? You can't see light rays coming down from these things. Now, it lights things up. I understand that. And it lets us see. But it's reflected off of all this stuff we're seeing. In order for us to see light, it's got to be refracted through the water. If you want to get a glimpse of Jesus, why don't you get in the book? Maybe some of you haven't seen the Lord speak to you through this storm because you haven't been in this thing. If you want revival... I'm telling you, the promise that he's keeping, he says, I will make myself apparent, and he makes himself apparent through his word. 
You need a sunbreak is what you need. You need to look for the Lord. You start looking at this rainbow thing and it's not the light source. You know, it's, it's seen when it's refracted and all these things. And I don't know how much you, and I'm not going to go into all this stuff. I'm not a scientist. But I tell you this, how many of y'all have ever seen a rainbow from an airplane before? Did you know when you see a rainbow from up above that it's not a bow? Did you know it's a circle? Did you know that? It makes a complete circle. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. Well, doesn't the book of Revelation say around the throne there was a rainbow? Why? Because when the sun shines purely, it, it makes a complete circle around the throne. Why? Because the light source is right there. Maybe the reason we can't see the light through this storm is because instead of focusing on the promises of God, we focus on the fact, man, my prison's closed. Lord, my girls are grown up and gone. Lord, my dad's, died. My, my dad's dead. Lord, I'm hurting and now, what are you doing? And God, I don't understand. And instead of looking at saying, God, you've given me a wife that's faithful. God, you've given me any ministry. You see, let me see. Literally hundreds, probably thousands of men saved. God, you provided for me in amazing ways. God, you gave me a new van. Lord, you've given me ministry and a way to reach other people. Instead of looking at those things and looking through God's provisions, we start looking at the world. The other side of the storm. I don't know how many of y'all think you need revival. Pastor didn't tell me that you needed it, but he didn't need to, because I know I need it. The only way we're going to have it is remember, and these are just three basic things from Scripture. I probably did a pathetic job of, of, uh, with my homiletics tonight, and my hermeneutics, and all that other stuff, and trying to open up the Scripture. But I'm going to tell you something, if we get back to the Word, and we recognize who God is, and we recognize our need for Him, did you know that peace in knowing God is still there, if you look down in your heart, and that, 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 that peace in in your heart getting right with God and that place for kneeling, you come and say, God, I need you more than anything. And we get focused on His promises that God will always keep no matter what preachers let you down, no matter what persons let you down. I believe we'll have a revival. I believe God will talk to our hearts tonight. On the other side of the storm. You say, but Brother Lance, this whole message is kind of pointless because we're still in the middle of the storm. Well... I don't even see it. I don't even see it. The st- what storm? If we're in Christ, but I, had a, I heard a message by Joe Arthur one time. He was preaching about the eye of the storm, even in the worst storm. When you're close to the eye, remember what he said to the apostles? Fear not, it is I. He preached on the eye of the storm one time. Man, I love that. Did you know when you're, you could be right in the middle of a hurricane, but if you're in the eye of the storm right next to the eye, his peace. By the way, you see the sun. You've got His promises. Everything around you can be going a thousand miles an hour, Brother John, but He's good. And you've got everything God has for you. The Lord is good. I'm done tonight. I don't know where you are with the Lord. The pianist would come. Pastor, you come. Listen, let's get close to the Lord tonight. I just need Him. I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like I've got everything together. I need God worse today than I did yesterday. Maybe we just need to go to the Lord and say, God, help me. I need, I need a peace. I need a place. And I need your promises, God. Help me to be what you want me to be. Would you pray with me tonight as the pastor comes? Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for all that you are in the middle of everything that's going on in the world today. I pray that you'd help us to get focused on you. Lord, I pray that you'd touch our hearts and draw us close to you. God, convict us. Lord, I don't know when the last time that husbands and wives or, 
or, or children with their moms and dads, or people have got to the altar and just begged you for your presence and for your peace and for your power and for your promises, but Lord, help us to get over ourselves. Lord, that we come to you and seek your face, and Lord, remind, our, remind us that we're nothing without you. God, I pray that you touch us tonight. Lord, I need you desperately. Help us as we meet with you for a little bit tonight. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' precious name.